You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 65. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Sister Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I've been wanting to have someone on to talk about spiritual motherhood for a really long time. So I'm so, so excited to talk to you today. And I've been looking forward to our conversation. I know that a lot of uh, moms or sorry, not moms, but women rather, uh, who don't have any biological children, sometimes they feel excluded from motherhood, or, you know, maybe they don't necessarily feel called to have kids, or, you know, maybe they do feel like they have their call to have kids, but then they're not having kids in the moment. And so I feel like the area of spiritual motherhood is just a really good topic to explore, um, not only for those kind of women, but also just for all women in general. So, but before we dive into that, I would just love to get to know you. Well, I already know about you, but for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, uh, could you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, your background? Yeah, sure. I'll try to do some relevant background that'll help make this slightly more applicable. So, um, so yeah, my name is Sister Stephanie, and I originally grew up in Rockford, Illinois, which is an hour and a half-ish outside of Chicago, which, but it is a independent metropolitan entity than Chicago, Illinois. It's not a suburb of Chicago, so it's very important. <laughs> so the, <laughs> um, so I grew up there, um, and um, I very my main um, most uh, like uh, driving. There's two main driving forces of my upbringing. I have to say, um, I was. I started running uh, when I was nine and I became an elite distance runner relatively quickly. And I was um, very focused on running and running at a relatively high level. So that was very, an extremely important part of my upbringing. Um, As well as I went to, um, I went to schools that were very poor. Um, My high school had a a 60 to 70% dropout rate. um, And I had a lot of experiences with poverty um, very from a very early age. My, my family was upper middle class, but um, my, um, the people, a lot of the people that I encountered had some, um, very, um, difficult life circumstances, um, uh, which showed me very early on, uh, how blessed I was to have both a mom and a dad at home that were dedicated to me and my brother and our family, um, which really showed me the importance of parenthood in all capacities. So that's very, I think it's very important for the way that I look at, um, motherhood and families uh, was a very important part of how I think about this. So, um, yeah, so then um, I was raised Catholic, but I was not particularly super invested in my faith until college. Um, So I ran um, varsity cross-country track at University of Illinois, where I also majored in economics and geography. Um, It was a great time. Love you, bye. It was awesome. Um, Then I, I broke my foot my sophomore year in college and track. Um, and that's when I really began to reevaluate my life priorities. Um, running had become an extremely large, like overwhelmingly dominating part of my life so much though, that I was essentially obsessed with running. Um, so it was a good opportunity to, um, detach from running and, um, really was forced to think about my life. And that's when I became more invested in my faith and started to, I ended up going on a retreat where I had a very powerful experience in prayer 
um, that started me on my path to discerning my vocation as a religious sister. Um, so I graduated from U of I in 2010. Um, and then I um, entered my community right after graduating from college. Um, so I joined in 2010. Um, we're a brand new religious community. So we were founded in 2010. Um, if you're not familiar with religious life, we um, all religious, so people, brothers, sisters, priests that are religious, we take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So we um, don't own anything of our own. We, um, we don't get married to have a family. Um, and then we are obedient to superior. That's stated very negatively, but it in, fa- in fact is very positive. So um, in that we are, because of being freed from these obligations, we're able to serve people in a very particular way and serve Jesus and serve the church. Um, and we are freed from the obligations that would prevent many people from doing the things that we're able to do, um, such as live in a very poor neighborhood like I do, or um, dedicate your entire life to serving uh, people and uh, being able to have a pretty intense life of prayer that takes up a lot of time um, that you couldn't do honestly with little kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, so, which I can attest to. <laughs> yes, the the serious prayer life. All all moms are called the serious prayer, but it depends on what kind of mom you are, what kind of prayer, kind of what you get. So there you go. Um, and then, um, so that's a little bit about religious life, and then. So my particular community, we work in West Humble Park, uh, which is one of the most challenged areas in Chicago. Um, so we work with, um, we, we are, our main thing is to do material outreach. Um, we also try to act as Jesus to our neighborhood and that we actually live here. We try to be that presence of love and mercy and care and hope that uh, in the neighborhood. Um, during the pandemic, we were serving up to 4,700 families a month with food. Wow. Um, so it's insane, but normally we serve like 3000 families a month. So we're currently about back to that level of, uh, serving 3000 families a month with food and clothing, household goods, um, and support in various capacities. Um, and then, um, we also, I'm also a teacher. Um, and so I teach K through eight religion, which I'm sure I'm going to talk about later because my main time I see kids. Um, and then, um, (laughs) so, um, and then, um, yeah. And then, um, I'm extremely blessed. I'm, I feel extremely at peace in my vocation. Like I know this is exactly the way that God wants me to live. This is the way that I'm called to love other people. I feel very at peace that God wants me to love others in this particular way, in this Mm. way of completely dedicating my life to Jesus and the church. Mm. Um, that's a little intro about me. I love how you said that, you know, your obedience or just giving up so many things actually leads to freedom where it seems a little counterintuitive, but I would love for you to just talk a little bit more about that because, you know, it does seem like it would be two conflicting ideals, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. So how, how does that play itself out in your life? Yeah. And I think this is actually, so I'm sure there's a lot of physical moms listening to this, uh, that. Uh, I think a lot of it is very similar to actual motherhood because you have to give up so much Mm -hmm. to have kids in that you like, you have like, you're, you're, you're losing a lot of your freedom, right? You're like, yeah, so much freedom, right? You can't go anywhere, especially when you have a brand new baby. You can't, so true. This is what you do. This is what you're doing. That's it. That's all you got. (laughs) So, um, so it's, it's a little bit, there's a lot of parallels, um, which I really appreciate too. So, um, and so, so back to me is this, the freedom is that, 
Um, I, so I'm not married, won't have kids is, um, this is, I'm, we love, I we obviously love families. Families are great, but that we're freed from these obligations to the family to be able to serve many, many people. So like I do all kinds of wacky stuff that would prevent me from ever having time to properly take care of a family. So like I'm constantly dealing with donations. We receive donations literally 24 hours a day sometimes. That's great. So like it's constant, like the, re- the receiving, receiving food all the time. Um, and, um, we have to be, we're, re- we're readily and constantly available for emergencies, which is constantly. So like, there's all kinds of emergencies in the neighborhood all the time that we're available for to try to help minister to people. If I had kids, I absolutely could not do that. So, um, we're just like this, we're radically available to love other people in a different way mm. that people with kids and families would not be able to do. Mm. So, um, so that's, it's this, it is this amazing freedom where I really feel drawn to love in this way. A lot of people don't. Um, and so that's why, um, I feel free in this particular vocation of, in that sense. Also, as I mentioned, prayer life. So, um, our life of prayer is religious is pretty, is intense and has, it's long. It takes up a lot of time, um, that a lot of people would say is very restrictive because of the schedule of prayer. Um, but it is incredibly freeing in that we have time to dedicate to the most important relationship in our life, which is with our Lord. Mm. So I'm able to spend that time that I need to, to have that relationship um, he is like, so as religious, we do in a spiritual sense, think of Jesus as our husband, as sisters, like the sense that we have this, that level of relationship with Jesus. This is our, he's our spouse so that we are able to spend that time with him in prayer. So like, mm-hmm. it's so, so very important to have that time set aside that it would be very difficult to have otherwise, mm-hmm. um, in a family circumstance. It does, does it answer not, question? Yeah. It does sound like it parallels, uh, biological moms or adoptive moms or, you know, moms with like physical kids. So I would like to get into that a little bit more later. Uh, I just wanted to mention too, that, um, you know, it's, if anyone's listening, if they want to Google sister Stephanie Beliga, did I say your last name correctly? Yeah, you did it. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's awesome. So you're, uh, you're called the running nun and the Rockford register, uh, fleet feet, uh, it has a feature about you and then, um, they call you the speedy sister. So speedy sister running nun, you know, you, there's an article about you in the Maybe Chicago Tribune. Uh, I think it's just awesome that you're still really actively involved in, uh, you know, obviously what you're passionate about, just as you were saying, because all through college and everything that you said that you're really obsessed with it. But at the same time, um, you know, you've been able to keep at that and keep at what you're passionate about. So I, I just wanted to kind of point that out and footnote that. But before we get into more details, um, I thought I should first and foremost just talk about what spiritual motherhood is to you. Uh, I know that a lot of people have different ideas about what it is, um, but I would just love to hear in your own words, what is spiritual motherhood? Uh, kind of a little bit getting more into detail about how you think it parallels biological motherhood too. Yeah, I think there's two main parts of spiritual motherhood, in my opinion. Um, so first of all, there's like, I think the part that's maybe slightly more understandable, like um, I am a mother figure to a lot of kids and even like even college students at this point, like a lot of like youngish adults, like the sense that um, I'm able to help guide them, be there for them. I'm a trustworthy person they can talk to. I'm a person who um, is 
able to be there to help nurture their relationship with God specifically. That's the main way that I'm involved with people's lives. Excuse me. And then I'm able to walk with them and be with them. And they know that I'm not going to just like not be with them. I'm not going to like stop caring about them because of something they do. And I'm not going to abandon them because of whatever um, weird decision that they make. Like my kid, my students, I'm there for the long haul. We're here together. Mm -hmm. We're working together. We're all growing in our relationship with Jesus together. And that's um, how I'm able to be a mother figure for them, a guide, uh, a a nurturing guide who's walking with them, who will be there, who will be reliable, who will be able to care for them and provide for them Mm -hmm. um, in those um, circumstances. So um, yeah, I started, I started teaching kindergarten uh, this year on zoom. That was hilarious. Right. So I like, so I promised myself, I'm never going to teach kids that don't ha- know how to read because I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And then, uh, and then it just all happened and all of a sudden teaching kindergarten, which was just like the best thing ever. It yeah. was literally like the best thing ever. It was so great. Um, I just think, you know, I was just, I never thought I was going to be like into little kids, but I, it was amazing. So it was such a great gift um, to be able to spend um, time. Cause they also, as I'm sure re- moms with their own children, um, can attest to that they taught, they also teach us so much about, um, the kids also teach us so much about being simple and being, being childlike as we're called to be in an appropriate way. Not child, not, this is not childish, but childlike. Yes. So like, <laughs> That's an important distinction. Free. Very important distinction. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so main point of that is that, yes, I, the, here is this, um, guide of like being able to help people grow closer in their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and be there for them and to know that they'll, they can always rely on me to be there if they ever seek me out. Yeah. Um, but then there's a second part of spiritual motherhood that religious mm-hmm. sisters take very seriously is this uh, spiritual motherhood of prayer that we mm-hmm. believe that we are, um, we pray for other people um, and are their spiritual mothers and that we are taking care of them through the power of our own prayer and that we pray for them. We pray for their intentions. We pray, we unite ourselves with our spouse, with Jesus to be able to uh, bring them to Jesus through our prayer, um, which we um, take extremely serious. We take intercessory prayer very seriously. Hmm. Um, This is, so if people may or may not be familiar, there's, there's groups of sisters that, that are cloistered, meaning that they, they, all they do is pray. They don't Mm -hmm. see people. They don't like, they don't teach. They don't help poor people like we do, but they're specifically cloistered. um, And all they do is pray. And they are the most serious spiritual mothers out there. They are some Serious praying. So, um, and so one of my friends from college is a cloistered sister. So, uh, so she, yeah. So, and it's it's just like, you guys, they're so, they're so into making, and they're like the most nurturing, caring people ever. And um, they just care so much for others. And they know, they believe with the entirety of themselves that the power of their prayer and the uniting of their suffering with Jesus is bringing people to him. Hmm, Um, So, um, and all of us try to imitate that in little ways. They're like the master spiritual mothers. We're just like the minion spiritual mothers. I don't know. You know <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and then the rest of us are like even more minions. Like, no, no, it's not. I mean, like, like, them, and not. then you guys, and then <laughs> us. <laughs> never know. No, it's not true. But like, meaning they're just like very, I was just like, cloistered life is this, I could never do it. I would like die. So, um, yeah, yeah. so was, um, but they're um, very, just a, a very laudable example of spiritual motherhood. Right, so. right. Well, I feel like then talking to you then is the perfect happy medium because you aren't the the completely cloistered nun, right? Who's just praying. 
And at the same time, but you do have a, a prayer life, but then you have a lot of duties that involves, uh, just as you were saying, like actual, like actual physical kids, like the kindergartners that you were talking about. So I think that a lot of um, women who have either biological or adoptive kids or kids, you know, foster parents, uh, whatever kids that they're interacting with on a day-to-day basis, how, I, I think then it would be perfect to ask you, you know, how do you balance uh, being present in the moment and then being a spiritual mother to kids. Because obviously, you know, even women who have biological kids or adoptive kids, that they they still want to be a spiritual mother to their own children too. So uh, how do you balance all the physical aspects and the demanding physicality of it? This seems like you're really familiar with. And then I'm sure um, from all your friends who have kids too, that they're familiar with that too. How do you balance that with the spiritual side and wanting to be a spiritual mother to all these kids as well. Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, yeah, so like obviously teaching kindergarten is, yeah, there's like a lot going on constantly, right? So there's like, you know, 25 children yeah. running around everywhere else. Yeah, so um, so the, and then see, it's actually a more striking example than teaching, which is maybe just kind of a more obvious example is like, I think during the pandemic was maybe the most striking example for me. So we were serving a lot, like up to 40, 4,200 families a month with food. Um, we were, we weren't even seeing them because what was happening is that we had this whole drive-through setup where they would like pop their trunk, we'd stuff their car with food and they like drive away. Sometimes wow. we had like short, short conversations with them, but there was like this, this, this very interesting, obviously we're just trying to minimize contact. We right, have so right. many cases in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, we were trying to keep everybody obviously as safe as possible. So, right. um, and, uh, but it was like this very intense time of how, much people absolutely relied on our care mm. and relied on our, like, if we did not, like, there was sometimes, especially after the riots, um, if we were not open, people would not have food, like, wow. seriously had no food, like, there would have been no access to food, kids would have not had food, there was wow. moms, like, running all over the place trying to find baby formula after the riots, because there was no stores open, wow. couldn't find anything, um, we were, like, the place to get anything, wow. so... Yeah, it was really crazy. But it was like this sense of like, um, kind of like the sense of being that mother who they people could rely upon. Like mm-hmm. we were we aren't going anywhere. We're here. When right. it, like when things go really bad, what I think a lot of us have experienced this when things are when have gone really, really bad in your own life, you kind of like call your mom or like find <laughs> your mom yeah. or like seek out your mom in some capacities. So like it was this it, like this like really large sense of that, like the sense that mm. in the pandemic after the riots, when our neighborhood was destroyed, people came here and found Mm. us. So like, it was this sense of like that, this sense of care and nurturing and reliance and Mm. fidelity um, was kind of like this very strong sense. So that was like this very intense reality of this spiritual motherhood or parent. Like we have guys here too, but like this, so the sense of like the care of, of us and our, that's our, that's our real purpose. That's, and that's one of the reasons we're celibate. Right. Because we were able to be here during all that craziness to be able to be that faithful rock for people to rely upon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of one example. And then like, yeah, so then obviously teaching kids too. It's crazy. I'm sure there's some teachers probably listening. Yeah, it's insane. There's kids running around everywhere all the time. It's like super, teaching is insane. Teaching is super difficult. Um, and it's like one of the hardest things ever. So um, and um, it is super draining physically because you have to like pay attention to all these kids all the time but then yeah yeah, you're also trying to care for each single one of them constantly yes um so 
Um, it's this, it's this knowledge where you try to respect them the much, as much as you can. It's a sense of where you make sure you're taking cognitive actions to make sure that they know that you care about them, mm-hmm. um, by talking about praying for them, by talking about, um, by showing how what you're teaching is much more than the actual subject. And just mm-hmm. by showing your care for them and just being present and, um, and, not using punishment in a negative way, like some people do in teaching, but yeah. like trying to use your punishment to build up, fill right. up kids. Um, so that that's, um, I guess that's, I think that's my answer. Yeah. It seems like the, a lot of parallels then are that I hear from, you know, all my mom friends too, is just being present is a big key of being a mother, being present, being there. Uh, just, you know, just as you were saying that it's, that's just such an important aspect of being a mother uh, what about um, this the spiritual aspect? I guess that that is sort of like spirituality, but in terms of when you were talking about it's just hard to manage, you know, all those kids at once and it's just physically draining. I think most moms listening to this can relate 100% because even though we don't have like 25 kindergartners running around, even if we just have like a one or two or three like small toddlers, everyone feels overwhelmed, I think, in that same way. So how do you take mm-hmm. moments um, when you're physically and mentally drained and overwhelmed to bring in the, the spiritual side of it? Yeah. Okay. So number one, I'm not that good at it. So, um, okay. <laughs> so let's clarify that. I'm sorry. There's like a giant motor going by right now. Okay, so the, um, oh, no so the, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, what I try, I mean, I'm actually like, Take I, I'm in charge of a lot of things in semi to actual crisis moments. <laughs> so like, so I feel like um, I'm constantly kind of in a moment of semi crisis. Like yeah. always, there's like a thousand things going on. So I mean, you just try. Like I think moms all try to do. Sometimes we don't make it, and everyone can admit to that. You just yeah. end up screaming or end up losing it. That's yeah. that's real. <laughs> that's that's also real. But like the sense of you're trying to be like calming presence. Yeah. In the midst of chaos, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to be able to be that voice of normalcy that voice of reason within the context of insanity um like (laughs) so like this uh like like you're trying to be able to bring because right god is love god is peace Mm -hmm. most essentially god is love but like the sense that he and then his presence brings peace so like the sense of when we're able to be that presence of love and be able to bring that peace to wherever we are Mm. classroom house food pantry chapel whatever, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, um, when we're able to bring that love into a place, we're able to bring, we're able to bring who we are to that place, which um, Mm. is that's, that could be men or women, but like the sense of like being able to be that presence of love is um, essential and key Mm -hmm. um, to helping to keep places, uh, I think that sometimes frequently mothers and women in various capacities end up in these situations of semi to complete chaos. Mm-hmm. And we're like oh, frequently called to be that voice of reason and love and peace and mercy in the moment. Mm. So. That's beautiful. And honestly, it makes me feel better that you said that you're not that great at it because I think a lot of us just have like these high and lofty goals or ideals in our head of what it's supposed to be like. But just as you were saying, when it boils down to it, it's just being that voice of reason and that calming presence in that situation, right? Because it is like a really physically and mentally demanding situation that you find yourself in. So of course, you're not going to be able to be, you know, channeling a bunch of like actual mental prayer, but maybe the prayers like 
what you're actually doing, right? <laughs> well, right. So like, pr- what is prayer then? It's like this understanding of um, prayer is this is this relationship that we have with God. Mm-hmm. So right. So like prayer, prayer is not like, there's all kinds of these interesting, I mean, prayer is a lot of different things as well, but like it's, in its essence, it is this relationship that you have it's the communication between you and god Mm -hmm. so as we grow as we grow in relationship with god um and our communication becomes stronger as your relationship grows just as in any human relationship the more that in uh we're able to communicate better even in the cases of chaos or craziness or whatever Mm -hmm. or that you're able to sit in him because he is a relationship so we're able to sit in him with him mm. through him like the sense of being there in him and be able to be that presence to wherever we are mm-hmm. because we have the spirit in us and we're able to bring that presence of god to the chaotic situation because we're part of the order of chaos that's part, <laughs> part of the thing it's yeah. kind of the thing so it's uh so that's exciting so yeah i like that a lot what are the different uh types of prayer that you're referencing i mean i've i've heard of some of them but for any of our listeners who maybe haven't read a ton about prayer, what what are some of those different types of prayer? Just so we can mentally think about it throughout our day, maybe we can realize, oh, okay, well, in this moment, I'm, you know, praying more in this way, or in this moment, I'm praying more in this way. So, what what are some of those types? So, um, I guess. So, I guess I'm I'm not I'm not a huge on the particular method methodology of prayer. I don't know if I can best say this, like in that I'm, my prayer is very focused on this, on the literally the relationship with Jesus. So like mm-hmm. the sense of, um, so it's, it's not, um, it's this, like this experience of being with Jesus, understanding Jesus's presence in my life, understanding, um, how I relate to Jesus, understanding what Jesus thinks of me. What does Jesus call me? Mm-hmm. How does Jesus know me? Um, so like the sense of this relationship, like, like for those of you who are actually married to a person, like not Jesus is a person, the sense of like a person that you see that you talk like, yeah, so, like yeah. so, so this, um, so, uh, but like this it is a similar relationship and that mm-hmm. we have, like, we have that level of relationship. So it's this sense of, you know, and you don't talk like, so I guess when you talk to your husband, you're not like. This is how I'm talking to my husband. This is the method of talking to my husband. That's true. So I don't. You know, I don't really <laughs> yeah, like. That's so I guess point. like I don't, you just talk. You just talk to him, right? So you communicate with right. him. Um. So I guess. Um. So I don't really think. I guess I don't. I mean, I know methods of prayer, but I don't, that's not how really how I think. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, um. So. To kind of, it's like this. Uh, as we grow in our relationship, in our ability to pray, in our relationship with God we're able to rest more and more and more in the relationship and have peace in the relationship. So an example that I've, that I've heard before is that as people who've been married for a really long time, like 50 years or whatever, um, like they don't, after a while, they don't need to communicate with each other. Like there's a sense of like, just like their presence together is like Mm -hmm. their communication. Right. Um, Like the sense of there's no, the verbal communication decreases in some capacity over time. So a similar similar explanation is that as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you just kind of rest and you mm. understand each other in that presence and peace. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I like that way of thinking about it, and I think a lot of us, myself included, just fall into the trap of you know you just try to have it be a little bit 
I don't know, not maybe formulaic is the word because just as you were saying, like you don't really overthink how you talk to other people, but then when you pray, then I, I know, I know I'm not the only one, but I know a lot of people are just like, Oh, am I doing it the right way? Those sorts of things. So I really like what you were talking about um, when you said, you know, what is Jesus call you um, and everything else that, that you were saying? Um, what, what are, what do you tell yourself um, in those moments or how do you come to know um, those different answers. Um, and it obviously is probably not just like one time, but I guess what, what are yeah. some ways that you approach that? Yeah, that's a super good question. So um, the, so mo- I mean, a way that's probably the easiest for everyone to understand is like by reading scripture, there's a lot of uh, ways that Jesus talks to us and helps us to understand who we are through scripture. Um, also to be able to um can, like you continue to realize like, and just think about basic, some, a lot of facts that we, um, that Christians share, the fact that we're children of God, we're made in the image of God. Um, and that we are all daughters of God, assuming women are listening to this, the sense of that we're the, and we are his beloved. So the sense of that we know that is who we are. And so like the sense of kind of resting, resting in these moments, um, there's some, and then there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of, which I have should pull together. I feel like I, my stuff for prayers just kind of spaz all over a bunch of notebooks. So it's like kind of all over the place, but like this sense of um, like this, there's a lot of beautiful passages in Isaiah and in the old Testament that compare Israel um, as a bride. And a lot of that imagery is extremely beautiful and is incredibly applicable to help us understand who we are as women. Um, and so this uh, understanding that like we are, we are clothed, like clothed, like metaphorically in, in these, in these beautiful, um, in in these beautiful things, because God loves us. And that's how he sees us. He sees us us as beautiful people that he created to be, um, be his beloved chosen ones. Mm. Um, and all of us are, all of us are that. So like the sense of being able to rest and believe that that is true, which is a lifetime of Mm. understanding that of understanding who we really are, but to be able to understand our relationship with God, which is what prayer is frequently. The first step is understanding more about who we are because our Mm -hmm. culture kind of makes us not believe a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of it, like we can say that, Oh yeah, I say that I'm a child of God made in the image of God. God believes I'm beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But like, do you like actually believe that? Right. Right? It's like, do you actually believe that's true? So then that's like a whole long thing. It's hard. Yeah. A lifetime of trying to really believe what God is saying to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that a lot because I've noticed myself that, um, you know, and I've caught myself falling into this trap that I think a lot of people think that God behaves in the way that either we do or other people who we are close to, you know, and, and mm-hmm. especially, you know, um, if our, our parents had certain shortcomings then it's easy to just assume that God has those shortcomings, right? Or yeah. if we have certain shortcomings, then we assume, oh, of course, God would be, you know, mad at me for doing this because I would be mad at myself for doing this. But you know, we're not God, right? Or our our own right. moms and dads aren't God, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, He's eternally merciful, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it's like so. It's like this, yeah, this long um, journey to understanding who we are. And this is, it's very individual. So yes. like the thing about this also, it's like, it's about you and our, all of our hearts are unique. So everyone's right. heart is built a particular way. 
to be able to, there's a, so there's a God shaped hole in everyone's heart that no matter how perfect your actual husband is never going to fill it. So this, you know, it's like this sense of that God, there's this sense that there's this God is waiting to be there and to Mm. tell you who you are and to be able to help you understand who you are in relationship to him. Mm -hmm. And he wants to also heal your heart from whatever's happened or whatever you're struggling with or whatever wounds you have and whatever is preventing you from believing the things that we were talking about earlier. Like if you for some reason can't feel like you can't believe that you're actually beautiful. You can't believe you're actually a child of God. You can't believe that God would actually want you, which is, those are all things person. I've dealt with all those things. So this oh is yeah, like me too. Yeah. Normal. I think, yeah, I think most women have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like this, um, you'd like this, this, this long journey of healing your own hearts so that God can love you. Mm-hmm. It's not that God's love isn't there, but it's this like struggle to be able to let God in. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I like that we've gotten really deep at this point. And then also, yeah, I love that you pointed out that it's such an individual journey because that's one reason why I'm always super reluctant to, I don't know, put on social media or, or just speak to people in general about my spiritual journey, because I know that one trap that I've fallen into in the past is that whenever I've heard someone's particular spiritual journey or whatever they're going through, then I immediately in the past would say, Oh, and I, this is applicable to, to me, or this, you know, this is the gospel truth. And this, this is the answer that I've been looking for. But I mean, it could be, maybe you could incorporate that in part into part of your life, but when you're Mm -hmm. just constantly, and again, this is just, just me speaking from my past experience, when you're just constantly looking to other people and how they're solving your problems, maybe you're not sitting with God and then asking him, right. What, what you need to do and what you need to accomplish. I don't know if you've had any similar experience to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. You read all kinds of stuff. You listen to people talk and you're like, wow, I don't, it's really not me. And um, and I I don't really far from that. And I don't understand how I'm going to get there. Like, Oh, this is going to work. I'll just try to do what they did. And that's going to work. But no, but it's the beautiful thing. So this is this, you know, paradox where it's like, God wants to love just you, just like you are. But guess what? There's no one else like you. So you have to kind of wait. <laughs> yeah. You, you, so you have, meaning you kind of have to like be really patient, which is really hard. I'm really impatient. Exactly. So like it's this very lengthy journey. <laughs> yeah. So it's like this like you got to kind of let him do his thing in his time. So mm-hmm. um, I mean, we need to be cooperative, which is a very important part of it, but that he's going to take his time and it's not our time. Mm-hmm. Um and it's, but it's not, it's like, it's, I can't, that's, that's why people have spiritual directors, which is like a person that walks with you on your spiritual journey, because your journey is so unique. Like, mm-hmm. if you, like, I can't just tell you what to do right now. Exactly. And, like, you're you're going to be all great. So like, it's this sense yeah. of this, so someone's there to walk with you on this journey instead of yeah listening to some particular person's advice or guidance. Yeah, exactly. I like that a lot. That's well, why I need spiritual mothers, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like, so this is this guide. You need to be you need to be guided by these folks. Like so that's that's kind of what yeah. I end up doing a lot with kids right. or with young adults. Is like that you try to help walk with them because I I don't know what's I don't understand I don't know their hearts. I'm not God, right? But that you can right. help uh, walk with them on these journeys, right? Yes, I love how we've tied it back and come full circle because just as you were saying that you know our spirituality is so unique and so dependent on who we are as a person at the same time, all of us as mothers, you know, whether we're being spiritual mothers or both physically and 
uh, spiritually present to our children that we're unique, our children are unique, the, the pairings of the relationship are unique, you know, all the different circumstances, life circumstances are unique, just as you were saying, you know, that, that you work with a lot of people who basically have nothing. And that's a, a unique circumstance in and of itself. And then you have, uh, you know, obviously, like middle class, just so many different, you know, socioeconomic situations that you can can find yourself in. Um I would love to talk a little bit more about uh, since you directly work in communities, basically where you said that they have nothing and you said that you yourself were raised in more of a middle-class community, uh, which is basically how I was raised as well. Um, How can we help those who uh, do live in basically who have nothing? How can we help uh, people in those sorts of situations? And how do you think that all women can kind of be a spiritual mother than to other people outside of their community as well? Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, So um, a lot of moms in our neighborhood, um, so we have a lot of single moms, tons of single moms, Mm -hmm. or even even absentee moms where grandma or whoever is raising kids. Um, And a lot of these like uh, mothers just need need support. Um, a lot of moms, they like are just, they're working like three part-time jobs that make wow. minimum wage, just like make it, you know? So, wow. um, so it's like, and then they don't have, they barely have money for babysitters. So they, then they have to work. So it's like this, they have a very, very difficult life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and a lot of this problems, so cyclical poverty problem in a lot of inner city America is that a lot of girls get pregnant when they're very young. So like mm. when they're in high school or earlier. Um, so this, um, which obviously leads to extremely difficult circumstances right. right off the bat for the mom and the babies. So, um, so to be able to um, my, what, what I really believe in, in a lot of circumstances, including our neighborhood is that these people need um they need they need they need someone to help guide them they and they need they really need a lot of advocacy mostly like the mm. sense of um they mom so mom has kid when she's 16 17 18 um maybe she graduates from high school maybe she doesn't um depends on all the circumstance dad is now where around mm. um so if he's raising this kid either trying to finish high school or trying to get a job or all kinds of in between circumstances um, and I don't know, imagine yourself when you're 16, you have a kid that's just like, it's just, yeah, that would be really it's overwhelming. Cool. Yeah. Overwhelming in and of itself. So, mm-hmm. um, so just a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities out there in different organizations in different cities, um, to be able to help, um, be almost like a mentor, mentor mom, or like a helper mom for a lot of these girls. Um, or an opportunity um, to be able to mentor the kids. That's what we have here um, is we have mentoring programs for the kids. So like once the kids are old enough to have mentor, like which is an elementary school for us, then there'll be an adult that's paired with the kid that'll help them through the process. Cause mom is so busy kind of just trying to make it that mm. she doesn't have a lot of opportunities to maybe invest in the kid that she might want to do. She might very much want to do that, but she just right. doesn't have. Exactly. Wherewithal because of everything that's going on. Of course. So. Yeah. She's just trying to. Yeah, absolutely. So kids. be able to be that helping hand to help people um, through these, through uh, those kind of difficulties. Right. Um, um, so those are kind of, those are some, and then try to break the cycle so that those kids make it out of high school and are able to move forward through their lives. And um, we've seen a lot of success with that here. Oh, wow. Um, 
yeah, so that's been beautiful um, and a privilege to be part of. Um, and then, yeah, to be able to, um, uh, that's, that's the main way of support for in this, in like a spiritual motherhood sense. Um, but then, yeah, we also need like, every, there's lots of organizations that need material goods, um, and need prayers. Of course, we need everybody's prayers. And then, um, if you're interested in helping in these kind of ways, a lot of organizations do very specific things for their area. You can, wherever you are, you can get in contact with various organizations that work in inner cities that are, would love all your help. Let me tell you, they'll want all your help. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so we just find them and they'll be like, Oh, great. Yes. Help me in whatever yeah. 5 billion ways that you possibly yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So we have, I think I'm just trying to have a running list now of the different ways that we, we can be a spiritual mother. So just mentally going through and help me if I miss anything. So, uh, praying sounds like obviously the obvious, like first step, um, you know, especially, um, with those who are in the inner city and who are in need, and then the second is to donate to different organizations or even volunteer if, if they have something that they need. And then to be present to every, every child, really. Um, or, or I guess you could even mm-hmm. be a spiritual mother to other adults, too. But, you know, just be present and be there and be a presence to those people. Um, am, I, am I missing anything? Or Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, the sense of... Um... I think the strongest and yeah, most important is this sense of yeah being um, being present and this okay. obviously praying is most important but like this yeah the sense of um, uh, being that source of love in someone else's life mm, especially I love a that. child yeah so like this sense of um, um, and that's what a lot of kids like in our neighborhood are missing because mm-hmm. as much as um, because of mom's difficult circumstances or and dad's not there. So it's like, yeah, these kids just need someone to love them, know that there's someone who cares about them mm. um, and that they would be there if they need something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not alone. That's beautiful. I love that being, being the source of love. And that's something that every single woman can do to anyone that they encounter really, and kind of like incorporate this spiritual motherhood to every single person that they meet. Uh, do you think that every woman is called to be a spiritual mother? Yeah, I think all all women are called to motherhood in some capacity. Absolutely, um, and yeah, it's this interesting. Um, I mean, in the um, Catholic tradition, there's more. There's like there's three main vocations, um, like this. Obviously, getting married, having actual children. Um, then there's consecrated life, which is religious life is part of that, where you dedicate your life to the church, and then you're specifically dedicated to serving people in particular ways, like I am. Um, and then there's the dedicated, they have dedicated single life, whereas people dedicate, they decide very specifically to be single. They have decided they're going to be single. Um, but then they are single, not just because they want to just not have relationships with people. Right. <laughs> they're single. Trying to avoid responsibility. You know, no. <laughs> avoid responsibility. Just do yeah. my own thing all the time. So that's yeah. not, no, that's not what the church says. So the, um, so the sense of that they're, called a single life particular reasons right um where they have a, they have a particular ministry or um role in the church where they feel called to stay single to live that out in whatever ways a great example that i have is there's this um if you have kids you should check out her blog i'm like her number one fan she barely knows me but it's okay um, <laughs> she's um, kate bogner i think is her name she, her uh, blog is called look to me and be radiant okay she mostly does she does curriculum for elementary school religion, which is why I read her stuff, but she's 
like the best. She's I'm pretty sure I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure she's like a dedicated single person. That's what I can discern from her blog. Okay. So I'm sorry, Kate, if that's not your vocation, I mess this up. But the um, so that she, <laughs> how do you spell her she, last name? Uh, B O G N E R Bogner. Okay. Uh, okay, I'll so look at she, in the show notes. You yeah. can just yeah tell me after, and then I'll link. I can it send it to you later. Um, yeah. yeah, but so. She spends her time, she is a teacher and a DRE, and she runs this ridiculous blog website that she's constantly posting like 5 million lesson plans for everybody else to use. Wow. That's so I think awesome. it's a great example of spiritual motherhood where she yeah. not only is taking care of all these kids, but she also then shares everything that she's done yes. with everybody on the planet. Wow. So like these people who are dedicated to these specific causes. Um, yes. So I'm like, sure any mom who's listening who is homeschooling or also just wants yes. to supplement, they probably want to go check that out. So I'll be sure to link that in the show notes for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought just thought I just had to chuckle when I was reading my questions because when I wrote down a question, you know, do you think every woman is called to be a spiritual mother? It came out and autocorrect is a spitball mother. <laughs> I saw that earlier. It was great. <laughs> I, saw that. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, I think it's like sort of relevant when I was reading it because I was like, yeah, like every single woman out there, you know, it, to be a spiritual mother, it's sort of in a way you kind of have to be kind of like put yourself out there and write and, and kind of be a little bit of a go-getter. So I, I don't know. I think it's a little relevant, but yeah, um, yeah you, gotta, you gotta take risks. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I think it's, it's sort of a little relevant. So anyway, just kind of side note, um, tangent. Um, I'd love to get a little bit more into, um, you know, before we close, um, what specifically drew you in to become a sister and a spiritual mother, obviously full time, because I know that you mentioned a little bit towards the beginning, but I think that that would nicely like tie in, you know, everything that we've been talking about just to get a little bit more in depth to what specifically drew you into have this vocation of being a spiritual mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, well, like actually like a lot of us, I'm, I'm guessing like a lot of you as I'm just my inference is that, um, you don't, you don't like you, like you fall in love with this person. That's how this starts. Right. So that's, ha- that's what happened to me. Right. So like this, um, so I fell in love with Jesus. So like this sense of, I had this very powerful experience of prayer where, um, I felt that I was called to dedicate my life completely to Jesus just like I'm guessing a lot of you, you don't, when you, I don't know, I didn't never, I didn't get to the point of dating at this point in ever in my life where you're so serious about this person that like, you know, that you want to dedicate your life to this person. So, um, the, um, but like, you know, that this is like the, this is the one or the sense of like this person. And I, I think a lot of my friends that I've seen get married, you don't think about kids a lot at that point. It's just like, you're just working on getting, you're just getting married. And then, then there's later, we know we're going to have kids yeah. later, but we're not really thinking about it right now. So, um, so it's kind of like this yeah. initial sense of, um, yes, this love. I had this, you know, very intense love for Jesus. And that was this initial like calling to, to dedicate my life to him and this relationship, which is the, essence and most important and central part of my life, like we were talking before. So, um, so that, that's what happened first, this very powerful experience of prayer where I was called to dedicate my life to him. And then, so to do that, I had to discern, um, a, what to join, I had to do, join a community. So, um, so I discerned with different communities around. Um, and I always felt very called to love, to work with the poor and to be poor myself. 
Um, I'd always, I'd always, even before I was serious, my faith, I always wanted to kind of like live a very simple lifestyle and not really have a lot of stuff. So this was kind of all worked out together. So I felt very called to, um, live as a Franciscan, which is what I am follower of St. We follow the rule of St. Francis. So this sense of, um, living with the poor, being poor and loving the poor. So like this, that's where I was first called to this, like sense of this larger love, that my relationship with Jesus would kind of flow over into my, my love for those who we serve. Um, and um, so much so that this is my life is first dedicated to Jesus and then dedicated to these people that we are constantly serving. Um, so that's kind of how um, that began. And then I specifically, it's hilarious. Like I didn't, I just specifically discerned orders where I wouldn't teach. I didn't want to teach not really into teaching. And oh. then all of a sudden I was asked to be a teacher. <laughs> and so then I had to go to school to be a teacher and I'm a teacher, um, which I now love, but um, yeah, it was just not a path that I was thinking it was going to be going down. So just like, I think also a lot of times people intermarriage, we're not going to have kids. Then you end up having a bunch of kids. So there you go. So, um, and so, um, so yeah, this is, this is kind of like um, this sense of um, uh, that I was called to be a spiritual mother in that particular way. Um, but my my initial call was this desire to really love Jesus and then love his poor was kind of this initial calling. Did mm. I answer your question? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I, I love that so much. And I love how you keep on drawing the parallels between being a spiritual mother and then also, you know, a biological or adoptive mother, because just as you were saying that, you know, you go into whatever you decide with all these intentions and then it doesn't always turn out the way that you thought, but then you still end up loving it at the same time. You know, I just me personally, like I had no idea how demanding being a mom would be like at all. I, you know, I guess I was a little bit blindsided by it. Um, just because I feel like a lot of, you know, my mom and a lot of other um, moms, my mom's age, they just, they kind of forget because it was so long in the past. And so when you ask them for your advice, they're like, Oh yeah, it's fine. Uh, but then once you're actually in it, then you realize, oh, wow, that you are literally giving every moment of your time, you know, unless your children are napping and then they're all napping at the same time, right? Which rarely happens. You are just giving, 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 right? And then, I don't know, I just, I guess I was just curious if you kind of maybe had a similar experience where you had this ideal in your head. And then when you're in it, you're like, oh, wow, this is a lot more demanding oh, yeah. than I thought. But then you, but you still love it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, very absolutely. Like, or the sense of, yeah, like this guy with this radio, like you can't sleep around here. So similar, there's also, so a couple of just hilarious. So this is just, this is just funny. So like I have a couple friends, obviously I have lots of friends who have kids now, but like this sense of um, to, that all vocations, all moms have to deal with not sleeping. So number one, that is a across the vocation. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got sleep deprivation. Yes. That is an everybody's situation. So that we all share that. So that's a, that's an all motherhood sharing and all vocations involve poop. That's my other <laughs> all commonalities. So like this uh, sense that, yeah. So like that, obviously moms, we know it has to do with poop, but like, yeah. I'm, I really, my main job here is to be a maintenance person. I'm constantly oh, okay. cleaning up poop and just junk and garbage and just whatever. <laughs> so like all vocations kind of involve those kind of things that no one really talks about. Like yeah. these kind of very central aspects that yeah, exactly. kind of driving your life. Yeah, the non-glamorous aspect. Yeah, so and so anyway, that's a side tangent. But yeah, I, I think I had all these idealistic visions of 
religious life that were super not accurate. Um, and I don't even know how you could explain it to someone before you just do it. So um, I think it's similar to motherhood. Mm-hmm. You just have to start and see if this is what you're called to. And I am. So that, right. worked, that worked out. But yeah, you, it's very, um, so similar to motherhood, um, people think that religious sisters are like have capacity to like constantly give. So like the sense of like, yes, yes, she's, yes, she can help you. Yes, of course she can help you. It's like this, like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't have unlimited time and I don't have unlimited capacity to like constantly give 5,000% of myself to everybody around me. So so it's just like similar sense of, um, yeah, we're, we learn how to love within the limits that we have. Right. So we have to be able to be, we acknowledge we are not God. We do not have infinite unlimited loving capacity. We are limited and in our humility and our, recognition of our limits mm-hmm. is when we really begin to understand who we actually are and what it actually means to give of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in these, in these crazy circumstances, which I'm guessing for a lot of you out there who have kids, it's like when you're yeah two o'clock in the morning, you're like breastfeeding a kid, the other kid's <laughs> crying and you're like, I can't, I just can't, I'm done. Like I can't <laughs> yep. like a thousand percent done with this. So, and then like, yeah. like, so similar to us, there's like, you know, 5 million people running around everywhere and like they're all not doing the right thing. And then like the phone rings, the phone rings and the, the toilet's blowing up and it's just like the, you know, you just can't just like, no, Oh my gosh, I can't do it. So like that in those moments, that's where God really ends up reaching us and like being like, you have this, you've got this. This is what you've been called. This is how you're called to love mm-hmm. in this, in this moment of insanity, you are called to like, bring as much love and order in this situation as you are able and to be that loving presence, despite the suffering that you're experiencing. And then you also have this, this amazing capacity to unite with Jesus who suffered more than any of us can ever imagine Mm. um, on the cross for us. And in those moments when we have nothing left to give that we're able to unite um, our suffering and our humanity to Jesus on the cross. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love that you brought up too, to love within your limits, because that is so applicable to all moms, because I know that all my mom friends and just every single mom that I know in general, everyone struggles with giving so much that to the point, I don't even know how to, how to say it, but like, it's to the point where it negatively impacts your health, you know, your physical health, your mental health. And then you're just so drained and then you have to end up discovering, oh, well, I actually have to take care of myself. You know, it's a constant struggle between taking care of yourself, realizing that you have to ask for help, realizing that sometimes you have to say no, right? I mean, obviously you can't say no to your toddlers or whatever, your baby, right? Like you can say no to other things so that you don't get burned out in other ways or ask for help and those sorts of things. But that is, I'm so glad that you brought that, that up because that is a common misconception around all moms is that we're expected to have this unlimited capacity to some, to sometimes to the point where it negatively affects us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like there are the, yeah, we have to recognize, which is ex- super hard to do. Like I'm the worst, I'm probably the worst at it because <laughs> I actually don't have a toddler. So then it's I, it's hard to like, be like, uh, well, I guess I can do that. And then it's just kind of like this whole blob of, Ah, it's too many things. So, um, (laughs) so then, yeah. So, um, but I think most moms are probably that way too, because we're always comparing ourselves against other moms too, because maybe we just have one kid. So we're like, Oh, of course I can do that. Like that person has three kids. I have one, so I can do that. But then for you personally, it's like too overwhelming. Right. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yes, loving within our own humanity. Like, yeah, we're not God. Exactly. Yeah. We're also not Mary. So, yeah, it's like this. Yes. So, this, you know, it's like this sense of this is we are. This is who we are. And it's also the discovering of who you are in God's eyes. Yes. Which is not he's not expecting you to be the unlimited super mom. It's not or unlimited super spiritual mom. This is not like this is not the goal. This is not God's goal for us. So that we can be at peace when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is our vocations, whatever your vocation is. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Yeah, that ties it back into what we were talking about in the in the middle of this podcast episode, which is how to find your unique journey and everything. Um, I before we end with the the last question, I was debating whether or not to ask another one because what you just said also ties really good into the question that we always ask about being perfect. But I do want to just mention because I had I talked about at the very beginning how you've been able to continue your passion through even though you have this vocation of spiritual motherhood. Uh, how do you take the time, since we've just been talking about that you have to re- recognize your limits, how do you take the time, what some people might say, the time for yourself, right, to continue this passion while having all these demands? And how do you reconcile that in your head and not feel guilty saying, oh, I'm pursuing this thing, which is running, that gives me joy? Because I think a lot of moms struggle with that. Or not, I think, I know a lot of moms struggle with that aspect yeah. as well. Well, yeah. Here, so there's one secret that I don't really train anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> so, no, I do train. I train some. Well, you just I, ran yeah, a so marathon, didn't you? Just run a marathon, like last yeah, year. Yeah, I don't train for marathons anymore. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I just so run you them. run them, but you don't train <laughs> you for them. I see. Marathons. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I'm blessed. That's not a talent that a lot of people have. I'm very blessed that I can just pretty much just go run a marathon. Got it. Which is okay. Bizarre. Yeah. I know it's weird. But so, you still so, do it though, right? You don't say, oh, no, I mean, I train. I do, yeah. I do run. I do do some running. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so I do, I do what it, yeah. Yeah. So you do take so, time one, for your passion. You're at, this is a very hard question for me because I'm horrible at it, like really bad. So like, um, <laughs> like all of us really, are, so <laughs> like, terrible at taking time for myself. So, um, give us whatever tips I mean, you have, even if they're just, yes. <laughs> just warning. I'm just like, this is the, my anti good, like my just really bad at this. So, I mean, you just like, there is just a point where you not, you like know that you're not, so God wants us to be, God wants us to be saints. He wants to be the people that he created us to be. We're not robots. We're not machines. We're not like the perf. We're not like uh we're not the mom robot. We're not the wife yeah. robot. We're not the what like job, whatever. If you, if people are working your job robot, it's not, it's not who you are. Like, you mean so we're not, not Instagram perfect? <laughs> no. Yes. I mean, exactly. So like this, so like there's this realization that you're a human being. Yeah. And so that, that when you are reaching your limit, when you know you're starting to be uncharitable and you know, you're starting to be a total jerk and you're trying to, you totally need to sleep and you've just like <laughs> lost all patience with everybody else around you. You like, no, you've got, you've already crossed all the barriers, all the boundaries. <laughs> yeah. and so that you need to like, uh, gotta make the time. You just gotta do it. If not, you're just miserable. Yeah. Cause you've like, you're starting, you cross that barrier between like humanity and robot. That's like, not like, <laughs> I love that. that's not real. Yeah. like yeah, you're not, it's not you. It's not who you're made to be. Yes. Um, so like that you can just embrace the fact that you're a person and that all people are limited and that mm-hmm. we are, um, the, when we reach the limit, whatever that is for you, which is different for everybody, depending on your circumstances and who you are, um, we just need to embrace in, in humility that we are past our limits and we need to figure out with God's help how to um, rearrange our lives. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. And then if you're, if you're proactive, which I'm not, 
um, you can try to like be more balanced and do it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, that was, yeah. That, that t- hit two birds with one stone because you answered so, that question about the passion. And then also the last one, which is, I was just going to ask you, you know, on your spiritual yeah. journey of motherhood, once the time you realize that you're not called to be perfect, but to strive for goodness instead, which I guess, why is it? Why, like, why do we want to be robots? Like, why do, why don't we want to be human? I, that's a good question. I think it's part of the uh, original. So it's this control thing from like the fall, like Mm -hmm. the original sin. It's like this sense of, you know, what, what is the original sin is that we, um, we wanted to be God. Mm -hmm. That is the original sin that we, that Eve ate the fruit because she wanted to be God. Mm -hmm. So like this sense that all of us, there's this weird, bizarre, very difficult to understand like thing under like a drive in us to want to be God, mm-hmm. which in its essence is not good. It's very hard to recognize. It's very hard to root out. Right. Um, the, the sense that it's this sense that we are in full control of our own lives. Mm-hmm. Which we're not. So like the mm-hmm. sense, once we begin to realize that we are not in full control of our own lives um, and that when we try to be, that's when we're trying to be God. Mm-hmm. Um that that's obviously not going to work out because we're not God. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I know uh, that's where we start to cross these weird barriers between being recognizing in humility, our position as a human being and mm-hmm. becoming this robot that's trying to control everything. Um, so uh, which we can't do because mm-hmm. we're people. So, um, so it's like, it's kind of, it's deep, very, very deeply rooted into who we are as flawed human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this, uh, sense of, um, us, there's this grasping for the creation of our own order instead of God's order. Mm, I like that so much. And that's something that every single mom I know struggles with. So that was the perfect answer. I actually, yeah, probably my favorite answer of all time, because that's something that every single mom I know struggles with. And I know that everyone who is on social media struggles with as well. So gosh, thank you so much, Sister Stephanie, for coming on our show. I just realized and learned so much from you as we we're talking and I'm sure everyone else listening did as well. So um, I guess where can people find you if you, they want to donate uh, or help out at the mission? Maybe there's some people who are in the Chicago area or even if they're not, you know, maybe they just want to call up and make a donation. If you want to run the 2022 Bank of America Chicago Marathon, you can also contact me. <laughs> so I have guaranteed entries to the 2022 Chicago Marathon. Slight pitch. Okay. So um, you can run with me. Woo. Um, and anyway, <laughs> Um, missionola.com. Um, I'm the website, the email on there, every email on the website, it ends up in my inbox. So you can email me. Um, Perfect. so mission, missionola.com. You can check out what we do here at the mission. Um, you can send me an email. Um, you can also donate on the website. If you're interested in donating, we'd be super grateful for any assistance. Um, we are completely run off, uh, donations. We don't have any outside sources of funding. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. And yes, I encourage anyone who's listening, you know, if you have, any spare change or, you know, any amount that you want to give that I'm, I know that sister Stephanie and the mission would be really grateful. Or if you're in the area, you can, you can volunteer too. I know my in-laws that they, they come and volunteer a lot. They were here this morning. Oh, they were. <laughs> so funny. Great. That's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much again, sister Stephanie and God bless. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.